All right, let's open our Bibles quickly. We will start from Psalm 68. Let's take 68 today, Psalm 68. What we are going to do as we do um, these days, first of all, is to declare the glory of God into the air. We are going to read verse 1 to verse 10, and then 19 to 23. 10 verses, and then 4 verses. We are reading 14 verses, but we'll jump 11 to 18. So notice the way it is, Psalm 68, from verse 1 to verse 10, and then 19 to 23. Now, when we read this, we are pronouncing something. We are not just trying to read. We are doing what? We are making, we are, we are pronouncing, we are making a proclamation. We are making a declaration concerning things that will happen around us. All right? If you are there, say amen. So let's use New American Standard, all right? Now, we're all going to read out loud. Nobody's going to be silent. Everybody's going to read like God is listening out for your voice. And he wants you to read loud, all right? Mm-hmm. Psalm 68, we are going to read um, from verse 1 to verse 10, and then we'll go from 19 to 23. All right, one, two, let's go. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. And let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive him away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them exalt before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song for him who rides through the deserts, whose name is the Lord. And exalt before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a past land. O God, when you went forth before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself quaked at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You shed abroad the plentiful rain, O God. You confirmed your inheritance when it was past. Your creatures settled in it. You provided your goodness for the poor. Now we are jump, O God, all right. Now we are going to move down quickly to verse 19 and read to 23. All right, let's go on. Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears our burden. The God who is our salvation. 20. God is to us a God of deliverances. And to God the Lord belong escapes from death. 21. Surely God will shatter the head of his enemies. The hairy crown of him who goes on in his guilty deeds. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea. 23. That your foot may shatter them in blood. The tongue of your dogs may have its portion from your enemies. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Thus we have declared the judgment and the vengeance of God upon his enemies in this land in Jesus' name. Amen. Enemies of righteousness are judged in the name of Jesus. Amen. Enemies of truth are judged in the name of Jesus. Amen. Enemies of justice are going in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The wrath of God is against everyone who rises up against the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, Arise, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered. We declare them scattered in Jesus' name. Amen. We said we declare them scattered in the name of Jesus. 
Now, after this, the Lord will restore peace upon this land. He will restore his justice upon this land. He will restore his prosperity upon the land. The gospel will advance. In this nation, the gospel will advance. In his church, truth will be exalted. In the name of Jesus Christ. Every gathering engineered to promote iniquity will scatter in Jesus' name. We say it again. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Lord, arise. Let your enemies be scattered. Uproot unrighteousness. Listen, it will not be said that the thief is generous. Not anymore. In the name of Jesus Christ. Those who gather, we gather that when they are gathering in the name of the Lord, they will gather only unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Every gathering, listen to this, every gathering in which people gather people supposedly for the Lord, but actually is for themselves and their own agenda, it will scatter in Jesus' name. Every one of those gatherings will scatter in the name of Jesus. Any church that the foundation is for personal ambition and personal prosperity and not for the establishment of the kingdom of God in the lives of people and the glory of Christ on this earth. Such assemblies will scatter them in the name of Jesus. Why? Because they are the enemies of truth. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, let those who hate him flee before him. Listen, anyone who hates the Lord, you will run away from before him in the name of Jesus Christ. There are those who are plotting against the advancement of the gospel. Against those who are advancing the gospel. Let me tell you something that happened to them. Many of them will go to sleep. They will never wake up. That's not the way I like it. That's just the way it is. You know why? Because it is written, and so we have declared. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. And let those who hate him flee before him. In the name of Jesus Christ. He said, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away, O Lord. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. I didn't write the scriptures. We're just enforcing it in this our generation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. All the time. You know he's still good. Yes. <laughs> he's still good. Yes, the Lord is good. All the, time. the Lord is good. All right, before we take our seats quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding. We do that all the time before we start studying. If you are there and you know it, say amen. Amen. All right, go ahead, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And that's what the Lord will do for you again today in Jesus' name. Amen. All things have passed away in your life. Amen. Every addiction is, has passed away. Amen. Every sickness is gone. Amen. Every trouble is gone. Amen. Peace has come to you amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalm 84. We'll read it again. We read this last time. Say, how lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. 
The bird also has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. In verse 5, it says, How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. That is, his desire, his purpose, he says, are the highways to Zion. Let me just read down from New Living Translation or NIV. It says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, that is, to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. In verse 8, it says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is his son and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. Of course, you know we are looking at the heart that God loves, and David is our case study. And that's where we are starting this discussion from, looking at the, that is, is around the life of um, the man, David. We have seen the kind of person that David was when the Bible was going to describe him. He said he's a man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and a sweet psalmist of Israel. That's a very nice summary of the life of that man. A man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now, I want to emphasize the fact that he was a man who was raised on high. Please bear that in mind. So that's the person we have been looking at. And we said that God chose him for a particular reason. We studied from 1 Samuel chapter 16. And in it, we saw that God gave us a, a show of what he really did in the realm of the spirit in choosing David. I explained that the choice of David was not arbitrary. It was not the case of close your eyes. Just be striking any of the sheep that passes, and anyone your hand touches is the anointed king of Israel. No. We saw that Samuel, God spoke to Samuel that I have rejected him concerning Eliab. That when Eliab came, Samuel was so impressed by his physique, the appearance of the man really impressed Samuel. And it reminded him of Saul, because when Saul was chosen, Samuel thought that it had something to do with the fact that he was the tallest man in Israel. Nobody came close to Saul in height. He was almost a foot taller than the next person to him in the whole nation. He was really very tall. The Bible says he was head, no shoulder above. Everybody was below his shoulder. That's how tall Saul was. Maybe that's why Samuel got confused as to the reason why God chose Saul. But when it came to the case of David, of course, when he saw Eliab in the house of Jesse, he just said that this must be the Lord's anointed. And God said, not only have I not chosen him, I have rejected him. And then we saw that that means that God actually considered him. He wouldn't have said, I have rejected him if he was not considered. So the man was certainly considered. So certain things were found that God did not want, or God did not find some things he was looking for. I hope you're getting my point. That's just what happened. So we now said, what exactly made God choose David? We remember that David was a small boy. Literally, he was a small boy. He was a small boy. It was not a year or two or three. He was able, it was somebody that was big enough 
to be left with the sheep. So we assume personally, I put his age as something between maybe 11 and 13. That's just my own opinion because I've heard some people even put it lower than that. But whatever it was, he was a small boy. And God found something in him. All right? He said, he's a man after my heart. That is, there's something about David that I like. David has touched a particular place in the heart of the Lord. And we are saying, what are those things? David was not perfect. Let's remember that he was not a perfect person. He was far from perfect. Oh, very far from perfect. Foolishness was still bound in his heart. I can assure you of that. But there was something in him that God loved. And what was that thing? The fact that his heart was set in a particular direction. In this life, the direction your heart is set upon is what decides what you see around, how you respond to things. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes people look, they look as if um, they try to give the impression that the circumstance around is a problem. No, not really. It's where your heart is set. It's the direction that the, your heart is set on. It's very important. Opportunities will come in that direction. Sometimes people, let, you know, I'm a master of digression. Where is Clinton? Aha, uh-huh, Clinton. Please, eh? this is where I am, because so that you can bring me back. Hmm? I was reviewing what we're saying. And I'm still reviewing. And I wanted to say that this is where I stopped. That David's heart was facing a particular direction. And that's what we read from this book of Psalms 84. Why are you looking like you're trying to help me? <laughs> you're not trying to help me, so I will not even be deceived. The two of them. This is the man who's helping me. So, so what I was trying to do, okay, is to show that because the man is part of our review, okay, the direction he was facing was what impressed the Lord. So his heart was set on the pilgrimage to Zion. Do you understand? Just remind me, that's where I, 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 I am, all right? Now, you see the cause of the, the, the distraction in the moment. Now, I wanted to explain something. Because, you see, this is a digression. It's an, of the main thing. We'll get back to the main thing. People sometimes blame God for things. The Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to do that. You know, the way God judges, we have to learn it. It's called judging with righteous judgment. We like to throw God's name around so as to shut everybody up. You know, I was listening to David Paulson this morning, and he said that thing again. He said, woman said, the Lord said, he said, he said that ends the conversation. Said, oh, just the same thing I've been saying. So somebody told him, I said, the Lord said, said please, uh, don't bring the Lord into this. You are going to end the conversation. We don't be able to. I said, oh, so they do it in the UK too. This man was, I mean, he passed on last year. All right? I said, they do it everywhere. Now, what I want you to understand is this. Please, everybody listen to this. This is not the main message. It's an instruction I just want to give the people of God. Does God talk to people? Yes. He does. We have this from scriptures. We have personal experiences. I remember when I had to make my, make my decision when it came to what I would do immediately after NYC. I prayed until I had this solid in my heart, the direction I should face. But then in which angle that was dropped in my heart clearly, it would be the first weekend in May, all right? That would be 1993, thereabout. I remember the chair was sitting on in our, in our sitting room back at home. So the Lord communicates things with people. I know that. But I don't throw that in people's faces. You'll see where I'm going in a moment. Whether the Lord spoke to you or not, now listen to what I want to say carefully. Let me say it again. The Lord speaks to people. Sometimes he speaks clearly. You will hear a voice. I've never heard that. But I have credible testimonies from people who have. Sometimes you have dreams. You have visions. There are all kinds of strange things. One of the strangest I heard was one of our sisters told me that she was having a thought in her mind. Then a man stood across the road. You know, like you're just, you, know, you want to take a bus, you're standing here. 
Her own man was on the other side of the road. And he called her, hey, sister, sister, just called her attention. And then gave her a message from the Lord. He didn't say the Lord said, though. He just said, hey, see, that thing you are considering, this is what you are supposed to do. You know the man from, he didn't even cross. He shouted from across the road. I saw him, I read the story of one man. He's only, he was waiting at an airport. And somebody, he saw the man looking like royalty, walked up to him. They didn't talk to him, then dropped a book. He looked at the title of the book, and the man took his book and walked away. And that cover of the book was an instruction from God for him. And that was an angel. So God communicates with us different ways. Now I want to say something that is going to shock you. If you have not heard it from me before, from anywhere. He holds you responsible for everything you heard and everything you obeyed. Whether it's accurate or not is your problem. And I will explain the reason to you in a moment. You hear what I said? If the Lord said to you, go to Enugu. Okay, I was in Lagos. And the instruction of the Lord made me come to Enugu. All right? The day of judgment, I will be a, I will be a priest for coming to Enugu. You see, but you heard the voice of God. It's not just like that. And you'll see the reason in a moment. If coming to Enugu helped me to fulfill my ministry, I will be scored high for fulfilling my ministry. Even though the instruction of God helped me come to Enugu, that coming to Enugu helped me fulfill my destiny. I will be judged very, very high. And if I heard nothing and did not come to Enugu, and I was supposed to come to Enugu, I will be rebuked and disciplined for not going to Enugu and thereby not fulfilling my ministry. One of the worst things you can say to God is the woman you gave to me is a problem. Once you shift the blame to the Lord, you are in trouble. I wrote an article, I think it's one of our books, whether it's a um, habit of faith or walking by divine wisdom. It's one of them. I, call, I titled it, Own That Decision. That's what I'm trying to explain to us again today. He holds you, resp- you married a woman after you prayed and fasted and the Lord reveals to you to marry her. I hope I get my point. Or you married a man. Yeah, let's leave the woman out. After you prayed and fasted, the Lord said to you, marry him. Did, if God wants to judge it, he will not judge whether you heard from him or not. What he will judge is whether marrying that man was right or it was not right. I'm waiting for you to finish getting confused. Then I will not even solve the confusion. Just go home like that. I'll just give you a conclusion. What is the conclusion? Make sure you always do what is right and stop hanging it on your head a voice. That's the conclusion. As much as possible, do that which is right. Don't just hang it on your head a voice. Because if the voice is wrong, it's your problem. Now, we don't have enough time to go into the details about this. The thing for Christians, therefore, is that please don't live your life on voices. Let those special manifestations be extras after you have laid a solid foundation for life. Christians will pray and pray and pray and pray until they hear God say to them, listen to me, you can't hear more than you are spiritually ready for. The Lord does not utter to you more than you are spiritually ready to take. So that's why he behaves in judgment like I have explained. Because the real thing he's judging is your character. The reason he's judging is what is inside your heart, not what you are hearing. And you hear according to what's inside your heart. Did you hear what I said? For example, you know, there's this illustration I use a lot of times. 
most of us here, I believe, know Lagos. And that is, you know where Lagos is situated. You may not know every part of Lagos, but you know where it's situated. Is it west or eastern Nigeria or western Nigeria? Is there anything western than it in Nigeria? No, it's at the western, westernest, south, southwest at least, edge. After that, you, you fall into the Atlantic, you know that kind of. <laughs> okay, so you know where Lagos is. And you know where Enugu is. That's the point I'm trying to make. All right? So we all know where Enugu is, Lagos. So let's draw a line on the road, not by air, from Lagos to Enugu. Let's mention some major towns on the road, all right? Um, um, let's start with um, Shagam, right? Then Ijebudi. Then um, Ore. Benin. Let's just jump to Onicha. Then Oka. And then Enugu. Good. That's our order. This is my illustration I've used many times. If God raises a young man who was born maybe in Ogun State, grew up and settled in Lagos, and he wants him to come to Enugu, and he releases a word into the air, and he says, find me one Yoruba name that's very Yoruba-like. Abiodun, thank you very much. Okay, let's use that to Bengada or Tumba. Let's just use the name like that. They say, Benga Abiodun, you are going to go to Enugu. It's a word he releases into the air. And anytime God releases a word, it's an encapsulation of a lot of things. So many times you don't hear, go to Enugu. What you get is an attraction to Enugu. A pull in that direction. Doors of opportunities. All right? Now, how far you will get go in going to Enugu is not a different story. Born in Ogun State, schooled partly in Ogun State, Abe Okuta, Shagam, then he arrived in Lagos, settled down, and it's okay. Now, there's something, please, if you're in Lagos, the Lord bless you. We love you, right? Enugu, what do we say to Lagos people? Say it so that they can hear it now. All right, we love you. This is greeting from Enugu. So, nothing anti Lagos here. But Lagosians have, Nigeria has about um, three main regions. There's northern Nigeria, southern Nigeria, and Lagos. That is my division of Lagos, Nigeria. There's northern Nigeria, then there's southern Nigeria, then there's Lagos. Now, this is, don't write this in school, you will fail. This is just my own <laughs> division. Yeah, because generally, the, the, that's how you find the social, economic issues. They're generally like that. And even with the way the people reason. People from southern Nigeria tend to reason this in one particular way. The Lagosians reason differently. They are not, those people, we love you, but Lagosians reason differently. Many of those who grew up in Lagos, they don't know there's anything after Shagam. When you say Beni, they think you went abroad. Am I lying? This is the truth now. A, a, a typical Lagosian is easier for him to get to London and pick a bag. If he forgets, it, if somebody says your bag is in Benin, the bag don't lost. What is it in London? He says, okay, I'll pick it next week. I saw the other day uh, one of our ministers, what's the name of that minister, was complaining that Nigerians order pizza from London. And he said, can you imagine? I said, this, they are Lagos. look, Enugu people never eat pizza from London. We're not even aware that pizza exists in London. We're aware of that. Nonsense. But they said, the Lagos man who wants to eat pizza, he ordered from London. And somebody will take it to the airport, give it to somebody, and they wait, of course, six hours later, they pick it here and eat their pizza. And our minister was angry. That is why this Naira is going down in value. You live over here buying pizza. I say, okay, please don't call our name. You know where you are. Call the people. Just say Lagosians. So you have to start taxing every Lagosian for imported pizza, right? Those of us in Enugu, our pies all meat locally. That's what we eat. So don't call our names, please. 
Now, so let's get back to our illustration. So the Lagos man's issue, like I said, is typically like this. You know, I told you, is somebody born from Ogun State, say Yoruba person, grew up in Ogun in Lagos. If he imbibes Lagos spirit, crossing beyond Shagam needs the Holy Spirit. When the one big man said he went to Benin to go and preach, he couldn't sleep in Benin. He really went in the morning, preached, and ran out again. Ah, I said Benin. Not only did I sleep in Benin, I married, I chased the woman in Benin, caught her in Benin, married her in Benin. And I go there all the time. And to me, it's, it's not, do you get my point? But that's how Lagos people are. So when God says go to Enugu, do you know what the kind of thing God is saying? Cross Shagam. Ijewood. Ore. Ah, then go beyond where life ends. Get to Benin. You now cross River Niger, which is miniaturized Atlantic. As far as they are concerned. The Lagos man doesn't understand. What am I going to say? He can never hear God say that. God can shout it from now till tomorrow. He won't hear. God is talking to himself. That's where I'm going. How will he hear it? What's that guy's name again? Um, Abiodun what? Oluguenga Abiodun. He can't hear it. Otumba on top of it. He can't hear. The Lord, so the Lord knows. And listen, on the day of judgment, he's going to judge whether he's going to get, he got to any go or not. Yeah, that's what he does. But he can't hear. Now, what is God going to judge? That stubbornness of heart that makes it impossible for you to hear. Look, this is how this thing is. So, go and see when God was rebuking Job. You will wonder, is this fair? Is this fair? For goodness sake. How can you be rebuking me concerning things that I do not have the inherent ability to perform? And that's why you have to understand something. Why does God do that? Like I was saying to you. He's talking to that man. He can't hear it. He's not being wicked. He just cannot hear it. So Jesus said to his disciples, there are things I want to tell you. You can't bear them now. Because you can't bear them, your heart will shut them out. So that's our Olubenga Abiodun individual. We just speak, please, in case your name is Olubenga Abiodun, we, we did not know that the Lord was using us to talk to you. We just are saying our own. I hope you're getting my point. All right? So this is what happens. What the Lord will start doing is start breaking the barriers in his heart bit by bit. There are those that say, God, give me a wife, give me a husband. The wife has been living next to them like 24, 5 years, living next door to who? Alice, thank you. You know it. Thank you very much. <laughs> but you won't even know that Alice can be married. Why? Because one day in the course of this, Alice told you that she's from Mbise in Imo State. And in your heart, that means going to Australia. And you cannot imagine going to Australia because you want to marry. Alice will be speaking in tongues and prophesying you will not notice. It's not your fault. It's called what? Stronghold in the heart. It's, it's strong. So, you know, sometimes we want to impress ourselves with what God says to me. That God said is the one I'm trying to correct for people. God does not say things you cannot hear, you cannot understand. And many of the things you hear, he never said. He said, but I heard it. You heard a scaled-down version of it. They came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it right for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? He said, no. He said, but Moses permitted us. And listen, it was not Moses, it was God that spoke through Moses. What am I going to say? This same Jesus gave the angel of the covenant an instruction for Moses. Now they are talking to him now. And he said Moses was wrong. And he said, how could you have, how can you say that? He now explained to them 
that when the word was issued, it went through the hardness of your heart as a filter. Because of that, what you heard was that you could. In the beginning, it was not so. I hope you get my point. So when God says some things, it will appear as if he said them. Yes, you can quote he said them, but there's one part you forget. What could I hear? When Moses went to God and God said, tell them this, it was not what God was actually saying. It was a scaled-down version of the word of God for stubborn hearts. So you will go on the day of judgment and meet God the judge and say, you said we could divorce our wives. And he will say, I never said so. But Moses said, what I really said is that male and female, I created them. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. And whatever God has joined together, let no one put asunder. Why do we hear that? Because of the stubbornness of your heart. And that's what Jesus said. He said, that was why Moses told you that. But go and read your scriptures. It's exactly God that said it. Not Moses. Moses was reporting. That is how spiritual things are. So, you see, we can't blame God, therefore, for the instruction that Moses gave that I'm now saying was not accurate. What is it? Where is the blame? The hard heart of the people. Another one that struck me one day, I was, reading, I was just meditating, not really particularly reading that day. All right? Moses told them, God told them, tell the people to choose 12, um, 12 spies. So he chose 12 spies, and they went to spy the land. And I sat there and said, Lord, why will you do that? It just didn't feel like God to me. I don't know whether you get my point. You have to be careful when God told me. This God told me, 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 told me, and the Lord told me. Don't be too told, though. Be taught. There's a word of difference between what the Lord told me and what the Lord taught me. When the Lord is teaching you, that's the one you should grab. This attachment to what he told me, it's a problem. Please, I started by saying he speaks to people. We're going to get to it later. All right? The clear voice of God. What he taught is more important than this told. You are getting the context in which I'm using the word told now. So I thought about it. I said, Lord, ah, it just, some things are just not like you. And, you know, so, but of course, we keep learning. I cannot pretend to know everything. Until one day I, heard, I read Moses narrate what happened. And Moses told them, maybe let's quickly read that one. Moses told them that it was your idea. It was not my idea. You were the ones that said you wanted to go out and spy the land. This was in Deuteronomy when it was not explaining to them what happened. You said you wanted to go and spy out the land. So just a second, let me quickly find it. And if you can help me find that account of where Moses um, said that. It's in Deuteronomy, the early parts of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse 22. No, let me start from verse seven, 19, just to get it in context. We're going to 22, okay? Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, just as the Lord our God had commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is going to give us. See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord the God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Verse 22 says what? Then all of you approached me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may search out the land for us and bring back to us word of the way by which you should go up and the cities that we shall enter. 
Then the thing pleased me, and I took 12 of your men, one man for each tribe. Now, let's just stop reading here in verse 23. But have you seen how he began? Was it God that started it? Did I read this? Eh? I said, Father in heaven, thank you. Please notice something here. I just want to, this is not about bragging about myself, just to say something here. I read scriptures where the Lord said, but I just said, Lord, this is not your character. Why? The Lord taught. The Lord had taught me over time. And I said, no, this is not divine character. Why would God tell them to go and check why? In that context, it didn't fit. But I couldn't argue with scriptures. It was clear. Until one day I got here, I said, no wonder. You know the truth is that in this earth, you really can't do anything except the Lord issues a command. Even when they want to kill people, God has to say, go and kill. He has to. Go and look, look at the issue of Job. God had to say to Satan, you can take his goods, you can't touch him. Then you can touch him, but you can't kill him. There was, see, it was, you must understand, it was not obedience on the part of Satan. Say, maybe tell the devils, hmm, don't kill Job. If you kill Job, we'll go, to, we'll go to darkness now. They could not. It was not counsel. Please try not to kill Job. No, Job was not killable. The concept of killing Job did not exist at that time in the universe. Why? Because the Lord, had, it wasn't, God doesn't give advice. It's a word of command. You will not touch his life if you won't. If you like touch his life, your hand will become untouching thing. You know what I mean? Can't touch again. Why? You can't go against that word. So, that's why you find words like, Lord, should we go? My name is Balaam. And God says, you can't go. Then I come back and say, should we go? And God says, go. You know why? Because I was determined to go. So even though Balaam could have come to claim the second time that I'm here because God said I should come. I've seen many people say that, look, I did this so I knew it was the Lord that told me to do it. I said, leave me alone. Leave me alone. The Lord said, see, God won't listen to that on the day of judgment. You've done it, you've done it. Fine, let's now see whether it's right or wrong. God holds you responsible for that which you did in obedience to him. Let me ask you a question. Some of you, I think, listen, let me ask you a question. Who arranged for Judas to betray Jesus? There's no catch to it. Who did? Answer me now. Nobody will answer. God, I will not call your name into this matter. Lest you get angry. There's no catch to it. The man of God says, God, is the truth. Jesus already said he's going to betray somebody, one of you, he's already arranged it. At the point in time, Satan entered into it. These are all divinely arranged things. Next question. The day of judgment. Did they say, because I led you to betray my son, no judgment for you? Jesus already said it. It would have been better if he was not born. The judgment was determined, even though it was God that arranged. So sometimes you hear that God told, God pushed um, David to go and number Israel. Now you are getting the point. It wasn't as if God said, who do we punish today? Let's instigate them into disobedience. James said it clearly. God does not tempt people with evil. When God wants to, in quote, tempt you, it is with good. This is temptation. Go and preach to that person. Go and give to that person. Go and pray for that person. Get to work on time today. It is, listen, it is good that he tempts you with. He never tempts you with evil. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Please, don't get hung up, I was told. Get hung up on what? I was taught. I was taught. It's more important than I was told. One day, one young woman was asked, 
Some people were con conducting a survey, very funny. I don't think they are Christian, but they were conducting a survey, asking young ladies, will you agree to sleep with your boss for promotion? You know what, what, what one of them said? Well, if God asks me to, I will. <laughs> it wasn't a comedy skit. It was a real, just in time. This one said, ah, how can? Ah. This one said, if God asks me to, I will. You can see, God has already asked her. There's no need deceiving her. Herself. God has already asked that woman. It's, no, I mean, can you, somebody say, if God asks me to, I will. <laughs> Listen, every decision you make for God, he takes it as your decision. And he takes his instruction to you as help. To help you know what is right to do, in case you did not know it. Go and read your Bible well. Let me ask you a question. Who made Eve for Adam? Answer now. Am I alone here? Which God is that one? God of iron or God of... God, the Father of our Lord. Thank you very much. God Almighty, thank you. So he was the one that made Adam, made Eve for Adam. Go and read your Bible. You see this an instruction from scriptures. He never told Adam to marry Eve. Is there? Read your Bible. He didn't tell Adam to marry Eve. Is there? He didn't tell Adam to marry Eve. He did not say so. He said it's not good. That was his own opinion, his idea, his word. He brought her to him. He was the one that said, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He began to prophesy. The guy is a woman begin prophesying. That's why one man said in the pastor something when I was just. He said you can name, you don't have to claim. Go and read it well. God said it's not good for the man to be alone. Say fine. Now before he said that, now after he said that, go and read it. I don't have time now. I don't have all the time. He not told the man, it's not good for a man to be alone. They brought all the beasts of the field to him. He said it's not good to be alone. So the man looked at the dog. After hanging around the dog for a few, they said, this dog is very good. Though. I hope you get my point. This dog is very good, but it cannot be the help that I need. So he called him, let's just so to speak, call it dog. They wanted a broad horse. He rode the horse for some time. This horse is very helpful, but it cannot be. They wanted a broad camel. Ah, crossing the desert, this would be fantastic. Call it camel. May not be the English name, but you get my idea. They kept on going like that. The Bible says, in all of these, there was none fit found that was fitting for him. Then the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he took a rib from his side and created, you know, what Eve out of the, the woman out of it, and then brought him, brought her to him. The same way he brought the lion, the same way he brought the antelope, the same way he brought the monkey, the same way he brought the dog. What will you say? Adam was the one that prophesied. And said, oh, this is bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. A woman she shall be called. God never said, you marry Adam. You marry Eve. There's a lesson in it for us. Even when God gives you an instruction, he still holds you responsible, in quotes now, for the obedience. So if you obey and you are fully blessed, he doesn't take any credit. In the same way, those who don't obey, he doesn't also take any blame. So if God gives you an instruction and you did what is right, he gives you 100% of the credit. He blesses you for it. Even though he was the one that set you up for the obedience. He never told Adam to marry Eve. Now, I'm not saying Adam disobeyed, though. You are getting my point. I'm just saying that he set Adam up to do what was right. He taught Adam enough 
to know that a dog will not work for what we're talking about. He taught Adam enough to know that a monkey wouldn't work. He taught Adam enough to know that hippopotamus will not work here. He taught Adam enough to know that a camel will not work. Then when Adam saw Eve, he had been taught enough. The moment he sighted Eve, he said, wow. Now listen to me, he had never seen an Eve. But he had been taught by God. So he began to prophesy, this is bone of my bones. I don't know whether you caught the lesson there. That's why God holds you responsible for your decisions, even though he instructs you concerning them. Please get what I'm going to emphasize. Accept the responsibility and stop shifting the blame. You know some men will actually say it. Why would I marry somebody like you? Is it not God that says I should marry you? You should go to hellfire. Are you getting my point? That, yes, that's, what, that's how God reacts to such things. Because the truth is that even if God was the one that told you to do that, you could not have made a better decision. Did you hear what I said? You do not have the capacity to make a better decision than that. You don't have it. That video I followed to you, that man said, well, he quoted something. Very interesting. He said that, well, somebody said that if I were God, this is what I would do. He said, hey, quiet. If you were God, you would do exactly what God has done. Because it takes a God to do that. He knows everything he did that. If you were God, you would know more than the foolishness you know now. And you will have now made the decision that God made. So don't start feeling wiser than God. Please, get my emphasis. When God gives you an instruction, it takes that help. Let me say this. Sometimes people go around bragging, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, just look at it and say, why are you letting us know you're a child? Because those who know much, God doesn't have to tell them all these things. So having to tell you every little because you know nothing. You tell the child to go and cross and go and buy something. You tell him, get to this junction, stop here, look left, do this one, don't do this, you give all the instructions. And the child is now going and saying that, you know, I hear the voice of my father very well. He gave me 10 points to go and buy bread this morning, praise God. He said, as soon as I leave the house, I should take the turn to the right, amen. And when I get to that junction, I should wait. And I will see a bus passing, some buses, and I should be careful not to cross the road while they are passing. I should... You understand my point? And you are looking like, bros, I also went to buy bread for the same father. He just gave me 200 and I said, buy bread. I knew where to turn. I knew how to cross. I knew that we, are, we eat only fresh bread. I knew how not to buy stale bread. And I brought the bread home. You took 10 instructions to buy a loaf of bread. I took one, buy bread, and I bought bread better than yours. Because you are not perfect in obedience. Of the ten instructions he gave you, you disobeyed one. But me that know, being an adult, being a senior person in the house, you are just going to Bible for the first time, you are 12. Me, maybe I'm in the same household, I'm 19. And daddy just calls, Banky. I say, yes, daddy. Take money from the top of my table, go and buy bread. And I ask him, how many loaves? He said, well, you know how many we need. So I scan the house. I say, okay, I'll need two loaves. I take the appropriate amount of bread and um, money. I go to the right place. But the person who doesn't know all of this is he's bragging on the instruction that God gave me 15 instructions. He told me to buy two loaves. He told me to take 1,000 naira. He told me to go. Sometimes <laughs> when you hear Christians talking, you just be looking at them. And then the Lord, the, the Lord began to tell them. And, the Lord began, and they were feeling very spiro. Spirogyra, spilling very spiro. Are you looking at the person? <laughs> There's some brother that was preaching one day. I was looking at him and said, Man, 
The Lord must love conversing with you. It was not even a conversation, it was a set of instructions. And you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> there's one brother, <laughs> when he finished with what the Lord told him to do, everybody was in confusion. Okay, ask me later. I know you, you, you will ask. This one, don't go remember to ask. Plenty, you can ask me too. <laughs> one of my friends called me and said, Please, how do I go about this guy's instructions? I said, Tell him to come and obey it himself. You don't, God can, <laughs> it's true now. God cannot give you an instruction and not put it on my head. That's the problem sometimes with people. What am I saying? God said, Listen, if you have married a woman, don't blame God. Adam was not allowed to. God said, The woman who gave him, God said, When? Did I not give you the dog? Did you mind the dog? You say, No. Did I give you the monkey? Yes. Did you mind the monkey? No. I gave you the hippo. Did you mind the hippo? No. I gave you the antelope. Did you mind the antelope? No. When I brought the woman, did I say anything different from what I said the other times? No. You were the one that said, this is bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. Am I saying God did not make Eve for Adam? Of course not. He made Eve for Adam. But it's in Adam to be a man. Accept the responsibility. Stop shifting it on me. I have given you a wife now. Don't make it look like, and now you have given me. Why? You know she's pregnant. You give me extra. Uh, you give me extra money. Why? The people that I gave her, you think their wives are better than yours? I'm not giving you any extra money. It's your wife. Come to me and pray, and make petitions like somebody who I did favor for before. Not somebody. You know, a friend of mine did something once. There two two people told me that story. He was having some. His brother was having some issues, so he and I sat down and analyzed how that guy could solve the issues. He said, Banky, what you have said is very, very true. I think it's the best option. I said, what did you tell him? He said, no, I can't. I said, why can't you? He said, this is how he will do. Now, I'm going to color it a bit. Assuming I said, okay, instead of saying Enugu, all right, go to Port Harcourt. This kind of skill they are using now is much needed in Port Harcourt. Maybe the guy was having, maybe he wasn't settled, didn't have a job and all of that. So maybe I told him, okay, let your brother go to Port Harcourt. There's this place where they need skills like that. Within a week of his being there, they will hire him and you'll make some money and all of that. You'll be able to settle. And it's very, very good. No? That's just an idea. He said, I bank what you said is very true. I said, tell him now. He said, I can't. I said, why not? He said, this is how he would behave. He said, he'll come to me and say, you know, you said I should go to Potakot. Then I'll give him money to go to Potakot. He'll come from Potakot and say, I'm not in Potakot. Where do I stay? He said, he will make every step your problem. Meanwhile, you came to him with counsel. You came to him with advice. Say, my brother, you will fare better in Port Harcourt than in Enugu here. And these are my reasons. He said, the guy will not just take his advice. He will take it that, okay, I'm running your errand. He said, that is why, even though what you have said to me, I agree with you 100%, I will not tell him. And it's his blood brother. The same father, the same mother. He said, if I tell him, I have taken up his responsibilities. I know the way he behaves. Many of us do it with God. And I, I've come to tell you on his behalf, he doesn't like it. It is not as if you go, if you go to Port Harcourt, he will abandon you. But you will, this is what he expects. Using that one as an explanation. You will kneel down there and say, Lord, thank you for this beautiful suggestion. Please, can I beg you, you are my God, you have been good to me. Help me with accommodation when I get to Port Harcourt. You see, the heart is different. You get there. And if you have to sleep on the bridge, you don't blame him. It's not ever since he says you come to Port Harcourt now. Look at the way I'm sleeping on the, on, under the bridge. 
Uh, look at it now. I was in Enugu. Actually, we had a family house there. Uh, he, he said I should come to Portacourt, and he's not sending me money. You know, one day, one brother, I told you, one brother came to my house. We were talking. He's a pastor in one of these churches. And there are some churches, I even wonder who was born again there. He's following a young woman up. Young girl. I didn't meet her, but the way he talked about her. This girl was into all kinds of bad things. And she now said she gave his life, her life to Christ. So he was among the following her up. I was with him that day. When his phone rang, or a text message, the girl told him how much money she needed. So he said to her, I don't have this kind of money. You know what the girl said? You told me to leave my boyfriends and you are not there for me. Hey. My body is still shaking. In my mind, I said, God, why didn't you give me this kind of person to follow up? The Holy Spirit said, so that she can go to hell finally, Abby. Back here, I know why I don't bring them across your way. Ah. Because I would have said, please, I have bigger boyfriends to give you. Are you interested? Because me? Like we say, come chop. Don't become work. Instead of you to be grateful that I introduced you to Christ Jesus and you're not going to hellfire. Instead of you to go and join Deeper Life to reduce your need for money for hair and cosmetics. You know, this one that Deeper Life are changing, they shouldn't change too much because we need to be able, we need to have where to go. If you can't buy all this expensive hair that we went put on, you no, know, this kind of hair you put on there is very expensive. <laughs> See, the guy, he paid, he paid recently, he's still, he's still paying him. Still paying him. Still paying him. When you see women just sit and they look nice, hmm. the glory of God is very financial in that area. And they tell you how much they used to do hair sometimes. We look. One day my wife said she went to attach hair. I didn't talk to her the rest of the day. I was angry. I was angry. Look at money for hair. At that time, Apostle, to cut hair was 100 naira. She spent 4,000 to just attach the one that. that I let me not tell you how many thousand where I buy the hair first. Just to go and attach it. Meanwhile, if I go back like this, hundred bucks. That time. So the Lord looked at us and said, hey, people, no need now. So we created different churches. Go to that church. If you cannot pay that kind of hair. If you can pay, Laodicea Church is over down the road. <laughs> go to Laodicea. <laughs> Is it Smyrna? They know they do hair for Smyrna Church. But, and they, they knew God. <laughs> the Lord is good. That day I wanted to tell that guy, huh, what is all of this nonsense? You preach to somebody? You people didn't tell her the real gospel. You told her this shiny, shiny gospel. What is the real gospel? The soul that sent it, it shall die. Hell is eternal darkness, eternal separation from God. You don't want to be there for five minutes. Ah, how will you now be there for a million years? And a million years is not even the beginning yet of eternity. I deliver you from there. You're not telling me. You didn't believe me. Eh, leave your reverend you and then go to hellfire together. I'm talking about how we treat God. We should be careful. When we make a decision in obedience to him, we should be thankful that he thought us worthy of the instruction. And the instruction is help from him. It is help. Let me tell you the truth. The day of judgment, let me tell you how to pray so that you won't let, uh, uh, what shall we eat, what shall we drink? 
and with what shall we clothe ourselves to drive you up and down? The day of judgment, God, even if you think you're alive alive to Christ, God doesn't have two books for you. You know how many books he has? Good Adai, just one book. One book. Daya Kawai, that's all. There's nothing more than that, just one book. Assuming the book is from level point one to point five thousand. If you did not give your life to Christ, you'll be on point zero till you die. That's why it doesn't have a choice to just fling you to somewhere but somewhere bad. When you give your life to Christ, you start progressing on the path of his plan. Every time you take your eyes away from him, you miss. Now, God is not going to check where you went. He just checks where you are supposed to be, whether you are there or you are not there. Did you get my point? What you call sin. God doesn't have any anger like, I'm angry with you. Look at you, I just committed sin like that. There's no anger. What is anger in it? Your destiny is what is freezing. I don't know where I get my point. The longer, that's why God, you see, good sin, bad sin, to God, both of them are the same. Because in both scenarios, you have left, whether you go to the left or you go to the right, you have left the center. And in that center is the narrow road that leads to your destiny. So when you are busy here and there, not pursuing that, whether what you are doing is good or is bad is irrelevant. You are not pursuing the real thing. Because the day of your judgment, he has one book that he's comparing every other thing with. Did you pursue that book? Did you do that book? So if he speaks to you, and he's speaking to you, helps you do the book, good. And if he doesn't speak to you, and for that reason you did not do the book, you are the one in trouble. You cannot hold him responsible that you didn't talk to me now. You know what he would say to you? I spoke before you were born. And the word I spoke never stopped reverberating around the universe. Anytime you wanted to hear it, you would hear it. Why did you not hear it? Because you went somewhere else. It's, it, you know, it's in the Bible like that. They said, where are you? They said, we are hiding because we are naked. What did they say? Who told you you were naked? Next question. Have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat the fruit thereof? What does that tell you? What you eat decides what you hear. Did you get my point? So anyone who feeds on manna will hear God say things to him. We hear God say things to her. When they refuse to feed on manna, when they start desiring the delicacies of Egypt, they start hearing Satan say, you are naked. Satan now says that, look, your mates at this age, they have two houses. So that in case a war breaks out, they have one to run to in the village. And God says, because you say we will have a house in the village to run to in case there's trouble, therefore, there will be trouble. He said, because we say you shall flee on her. He said, therefore, shall ye flee. You prepare horses for flight. He said, I will give you reasons to run. They will say, look, your mates already have this. You start hearing it. The time you were feeding on the word and focusing on spiritual things, they said it you did not hear. It has now become a prayer point because of what you have been eating. If you eat what is wrong, you hear what is wrong. Do you get my point? When Balaam puts money in front of you, Balak, he puts money in front of you, and you look at it, and your name is Balaam. 
and you are licking him out, say, um, Bashanun Balak. That is Bashanun Balak. The one Bash- Balak said. The Emis will say, ah, the high, your highness, the, his, his royal highness sent me this. Say, is this not $10 million I'm looking at? He said, yes, do you want us to count? He said, no, no, even if it's short by $1 million, it's still a lot of money. <laughs> he said, what does his majesty want? He said, come with us. Ah, I have to ask God now. You know why Balaam was asking God? Because he needed to hear that word so that he can go. Otherwise, do you know they work? So he went in and said, Lord, they brought more money. Last time, they brought small. Today, Lord is big. With this kind of money, we'll be able to start giving all kinds of stories around what we can do with the money. We'll donate to the ministry of the Israelites. Say they are blessed, we'll help them to be more blessed. So he had go. You know why he had go? He wanted to go. I began all this digression from one thing. The direction your heart is set on is what decides what you hear and what you don't hear. It's what decides the opportunities that come to you and the ones that don't come to you. It's that direction that your heart is set on. That is where the problem is. So please stop annoying us by saying God spoke to you. It's your way of not letting us talk. No matter what God says to you, I will subject it to spiritual intellectual scrutiny. If it does not make spiritual sense, it's one or two things. Either God didn't say anything to you, or he says something, you heard it wrongly. Oh, people hear God wrongly. They do. Remember that story I was telling you about the young man, Olubenga Abiodu, who does not exist, just a fictional person? I just picked Olubenga Abiodu to show an Oguman who grew up in Lagos who has never been gone beyond Shagam. So the Lord says to him, your destiny shall be fulfilled when you get to Enugu. can't hear it. He can't. And the Lord brings attractions to him. In the, that voice, not the Lord now, that word God gave starts pulling him towards Enugu. Suddenly, his friend is doing opening, uh, uh, maybe naming ceremony in Shagam. He goes. Do you understand? Then he meets, listen to me. He, now, he's a single man. He meets a woman in the opening ceremony in Shagam. Are you getting my point? In the naming ceremony. And he likes the woman. But she lives in Bini, but she's from Oyo. She has to be from Oyo because she mistakenly is from Anambra. He's not going. I don't know whether you're catching my point. Because, you know, he grew up on that side. So, okay. So he talks about um, give me a Yoruba name. Yetunde. How now? They talk, talk to him on the phone. After plenty talk. This one you are doing, so one day the now says that um, maybe she's doing, um, in their office they are doing, will she be, will he be agree to attend their office function? For the first time in his life, the love for Yetunde <laughs> makes him cross over to Benin. It is the spirit of God. Then when he gets to Benin, he gets, oh, people don't die here. People actually live here. Wow. I, I'll make my point. He starts seeing that, oh, this is a part of Nigeria called Benin. Okay. Then after that, he goes to Benin once or twice, and then Yetunde travels to Abuja and marries a house man, and that's the end of his life. That is, she has served his purpose in his life, attracts him to come to Benin. I hope you're getting where I'm, saying, where I'm going. 
That's how God arranges our lives. And all of this I'm describing is called the patience of God, the long suffering, the kindness. Now he can go to Benin. A job opening or ministry opening now occurs in Benin. He agrees to come. Do you know why? He's been there twice. Pursue a woman that has now gone to Abuja, who God only put in Benin to make him come to Benin. And she has gone to fulfill her own destiny somewhere else. But now, you know, that starts going. They start praying one day. The Lord begins to say to her, Oh, my son, arise, leave Lagos, and come and settle in Benin. God never said so. From the beginning, what did he say? Go to Enugu. But that direction, do you get my point? He's heading that direction, and he can take only a step at a time according to the stubbornness of his heart. Then, of course, while he's living in Benin, which he only agreed to, now is the Spirit of God pushing in that direction, pulling him. After staying there for some months, one of his friends now says, Come, look, this thing we are buying in Lagos. We have to travel to Lagos to go and buy. It's cheaper in Onicha. Onicha is closer. And the guy said, we will cross the Atlantic. He said, no, it's not Atlantic. It's in Niger. Even as the second bridge coming on. He looks. You, will go, you want to go to Biafra? <laughs> Have you seen Mazi to give you a visa? Say, leave Mazi. Mazi is in detention. Let's go. <laughs> Then the love of success in whatever he's doing and the trust in his friend, who he met along the line, maybe they've been in Lagos together, who happens to be from Anambra, that one now drags him to nature. And he gets there. He sees normal people. One head each. Nobody with two heads. All of them having two arms and hosting like a normal Lagos person hustles. After visiting Onicha a few times, that it's not really a problem. Onicha is just part of Nigeria now. They get comfortable with crossing the bridge. They after crossing the bridge once, twice, somebody announces to him one day he's in Lagos. Ah, let's go to Enugu now. Ah, no, let's go. We'll fly to Enugu. We'll come back to Onicha. After I do your business, I can go to Benin. He lands in Enugu and he sees the most peaceful, the most beautiful, the city of God. Amen. Zion. Hallelujah. Jerusalem of Nigeria. The Jerusalem of Africa. Amen. Zion of the East. Zion of the North. Zion of the West. The most peaceful, the most anointed city in Nigeria. Do I have a witness in the house? In the hands of God. <laughs> as soon as he lands in Enugu, pam! The word of the Lord will come to him saying, my son, move over to Enugu and fulfill your destiny. And he will hear it clearly. He will now say to you, the Lord said I should come to Enugu. God said, I said it 15 years ago. You were too deaf to hear it. Took me 15 years to drill your ear to this level. The same person said, God said to me I should move to Shagam. Remember? God said I should move to Bini. God never said any of that. What God said from the beginning Go to Enugu. He was hearing it bit by bit. That's the reason why God does not want anybody to harass him. You, you said to me as defense, if you disobey God while obeying him, you will still be the one to suffer the consequences. Did you hear what I said? If you disobey God 
while obeying him. So what do you mean by that? If you disobey the plan of God, your name is Balaam. Because you say he said you should follow the people of Balak to go and curse the people of Israel. Even though you said that, you know, when I get there, I only say what you say. That you went on that journey was against the will of God. Because the word has gone forth, which says that I will bless them that bless you. And curse them that curse you. You were on a path of cursing. You went against the people of God. Forget what you said. When I get there, I say, your heart was set on going with Balaam. So the angel stood and said, if you had crossed here, I would have killed you. And that angel would have killed him in righteousness. Even though he claimed he was obeying God. Please, let's not get this thing wrong. So we say we are hearing, it is where your heart is set on. Like we have been talking about recently. <laughs> if you love money, you can't obey God. What does it mean to love money? You know, Apostle, when we want to disobey, we have a way of coloring it. When we want to do what God does not want about our future, we'll look for a new name for it and call it wise planning, investment, you know, retirement. We'll call all kinds of names to worry about tomorrow. Let me draw something for a few seconds. Christianity is not just a religion. It's not a church thing. It's a whole life. You have to receive it entirely. There's a way God wants to handle your future, your retirement. Well, part of it doesn't believe in your retirement, but let's just leave that for a moment. The problem with people sometimes they want to take God bit by bit. No, you take him entirely. What am I going to explain? Let me not get lost now, all right? What happens? People start saying God said when he never said because of where their heart is set. Okay, I was trying to define what does it mean to love money. You know what it means to love money? I will say this, you are going to be, you are going to be shocked. Is this is one of my books anyway that's coming out. One is coming out next week, the other one shortly after. I don't even know which one of the two of them. One is titled Worship and Sex Control. The other one is titled We Walk by Faith. All right? You need to say, what does it mean to love money? You know what it means? To want to be rich, that's all. That's all. See, once you want to be rich, you love money, and you're going to miss God. There's no, see, there's no, and I want to be so that, there's no so that. Once you want to be rich, that's it, you have, you have sinned. Your heart is set on the wrong path. The want, the want is the problem. Say, so, Pastor should I want to be poor? No. Just want to be God, want to love the Lord, want to fulfill the destiny of God for your life. Do not want to be rich. When they are listening to richest people on the earth, don't read it. Learn to see things from above, not from beneath. The amount of money anybody has in this life, is, it means nothing. I've considered Aliko Dangote with the billions of dollars, and I've compared him with myself, and I've made up my mind I'm richer than him. Was At the current exchange rate, before they ban a book FX. <laughs> if we if we sell everything, you have a million dollars we will collect from him. It doesn't matter. I have realized that riches, true riches, is spiritual, and my basis for comparing myself with Elijah is just because of Christ. That's all. There's nothing else. It's Christ's conversion. 
exchange rate, all right, between heaven and earth. When you pass through Christ, billions of dollars comes to zero. If you come to Christ and you come with no dollar, you are still rich. That is the most, that's, that's it. So, and let's not, let's stop making this thing look like a church thing. It's a life thing. It's life. It's a life thing. Life. Life is a real thing. It's not a joke. One of the things I tell Christians that, what about how much money I have? I said, listen, the first assignment God has given you concerning money is to learn to manage what you have. It's a principle, learn to manage, that just manage. Some people say, I'm living in a two-bedroom flat now. I need a bigger one. God said, until I hear thanksgiving every day from the bottom of your, not the top of my mouth, from the bottom of your heart, for the next two years. Any day I hear when, I extend it by one year. So better go and buy Natanabasi and Domwen to be singing for you day and night on your life. Worship. So worship in that house daily. Now, can I say something? It's not trickle. I'm not tricking God. I will worship you until you move me from here. If you think like that, you will never leave that place. One of the scriptures that I help you, that I use in this life is what they call, Paul was right, he said, associate with the lowly. You know what that means? This is how you do it. When I want to say what it means literally is that don't feel too important. You understand? Associate with everybody. But there's another way I apply it. When you say, your maids have done this, up like, like that, right? I look down. What about my mates? I have not done it. I didn't know my mates again. And he said, associate with what? The lowly. Leave the ones that have done it. Let me look for the, uh, the ones who have not done it. So we associate with the lowly. And there's one revelation pastor who came out and gave me the other day. He was quoting somebody. Who are you quoting? Okay. <laughs> he was quoting one man of God. Most of us here don't know him. The man said, Jesus didn't have meat. And God ensured it. Herod killed everybody born around his time. <laughs> I said, wow, revelation. <laughs> and that's how Christians live their lives. And not get me. Everybody else is dead. <laughs> Herod pursued everybody. In fact, I wonder how he didn't get John the Baptist. <laughs> he said, that was how God made sure that Jesus didn't have any mates. When he said, your mates, say, which one? <laughs> Maybe he's doing his business. Say, your mate's up. Say, which mate? Mention one mate. They go, look, no mate. <laughs> say, the only mate I have, John the Baptist. Do you want me to be like him? They say, no, 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 no. no. So if you call my mate again, I'm going to the wilderness. <laughs> what am I going to say? We Christians, we learn it. We look at life from above. You never see yourself as disadvantaged or poor in any way. What you don't have is resources you don't need. She cannot. If you needed it, you will bring it. If you didn't bring it, they leave it. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Yes, sir. What does it mean to be covetous? Or love money is to want to be rich. That's all. Let's not qualify for it. To want to be rich is a problem. It's a problem. People miss God before, because of it. It's a problem. Churches start preaching, most of the doctrines that churches preach today is money that's teaching them the doctrine. We have to have money. What have I not heard? I've heard pastors say all kinds of things. Sometimes you will look and say, this, you want to call the man and go say, come, please, please. Do you think this ministry thing is a joke? 
You want to call? You think we are joking? They will say that, listen, this one you are saying, I beg, I should preach like this. Would I want to bring money? One man was doing three services. Another man said, three services on a Sunday? Oh boy, how much is the prophet's offering? That was the question. You know, it sounds like a joke, but we continue to crack those jokes. Until they become real. And of course, the expression of what is actually inside our hearts, that's what they are. We start hearing funny things like, yeah, if you plant branch here, yeah, wait till you go recover your money. That, no, the amount of money you use to plant branch in the Kurudu, you put in one branch in um, uh, uh, VI now. And now you get all the money back within a year. These are things that ministers say. It's a love of money. And it starts by having your eyes in a wrong direction. I said something last time, let me say it to ministers again. Please, nobody should have this impression if you're a preacher that now I'm struggling. Then one day, there's no one day. Because they think that if you do ministry like this for some time, after some time, you will now, it will not, now not blow. You will hammer. Bam! Then you too. In fact, today, my children and I were driving down here from home. I, just, I saw one big billboard of a lot of some men of God. I looked at them. And deep inside my heart, I said, Lord, I don't want to be, please don't put my face in this place. And if I mention the names, there are many of them who are, ah, yeah, God, they are bowing. I said, no, Lord, I don't want my face here. Today, the guy printed our book, sent me a message. He said, sir, you didn't tell me whether I will go ahead. I said, what do, you need me, what do you need again? I've checked the final thing now. He said, sorry. He said, but the cover, can we print the cover? I said, go ahead. And I said, but your picture is not there. I said, it's not necessary. He doesn't know I'm withdrawing my picture. Not wrong. I mean, you've seen my picture on many of these books, but these days, I say, I beg. <laughs> Leave him. Do you know if a man will write a book with the same anointing I use, all right? And he were to publish it, and I'm about to write the same book. And I see somebody has written it. I look at everything just the way I will have written it. I won't write again, that particular one. I will bring it here and tell everybody, please, I am recommending this book. I will tell you, it feels as if I'm the one that wrote it. And I will drop it, I won't write again. Because what matters to me is just know the truth inside it. Just know the truth inside it. It's not like, it's not, there's nothing I'm trying to personally gain from it. I'm on assignment. Somebody sent me. The words are not mine. It's somebody's gift, somebody's unction. And I'm a, I'm a messenger. If somebody delivers the message accurately, I don't have to repeat it. I'm not going to say something. So young ministers, please listen to this. There's nothing like struggle when you are, you know, when you're starting, then one day, there's no one day. Just do the work. Your life is going to be like that of Paul. And if you don't want to be like Paul, well, what are you doing in ministry at all? We must learn how to handle material things. We'll talk to the issue about money later again, if God allows us. I wanted to do it this particular season, all right? But this David thing came up first. Because as far as we are concerned, Christians, Every material thing is a tool. If, and it is not a tool of security. I hope I get my point. It's not money for the future. That's 
That's, that's, that's idol. That's an idol. He says, two for an errand of today. Sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. One day, was it my mom or my sister that called me? They said, ah, they are selling houses in Akure. I said, so they said, I should come and buy. That is very cheap. This is the governor. The governor is doing empowerment. So they build a lot of houses, bungalows. You pay a small amount of money. Then you pay the rest over maybe the next 10 years or something like that. And it was quite affordable. So they told me about it. So how far? I said, me. I said, what will I do with it? That was my question. Finally, I passed to Akure once in the last, no, twice in the last eight years. One of those days I slept one night because one of our brothers died. We went to bury. That's the only thing I slept. I said, so what will I say is my problem? They said, uh, hey, it's good to own. Who says it's good to own? Have you ever heard of multiple streams of income? People forget the other part. Everything coin has what? Two sides. Every, multiple, every extra stream of income is an extra stream of care. It's an extra stream of worry. It's an extra stream of trouble. So when you are doing your multiple streams of whatever, be sure what is really streaming for you. Daddy and I tell my sister, I said, please, I like peace of mind. That's the only problem I have in this life. I love peace of mind. All I do with the house, I say I'm not a, I'm not a speculator, I'm not an investor in real estate. So please leave me. Thank you. I thank you for the offer. Thanks for the concern. But no, I'm not interested. Hey, you put an artist, ah, tenant. It's different between Enugu and Akureo. They are very far apart, though. And all the place living from here, they don't go there. They first go, they go to Lagos first. Make a long story short. Go where? To go and pursue who for which money? You know what happened after? Like three weeks later or so, or a month later, Hurricane Ida or Hurricane, one of these American hurricanes, one of them branched to greet person for Ondo. So, <laughs> now I collect houses, roof. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, see, we're in the news now. Are we bothered? No. I said, imagine that you had a house there. You were following people. Hey, did you enter a Jackpot estate? <laughs> you, you'll be asking questions. I said, hey, hey, hey. I said, you see, if God has given you rest, why do you want to donate your rest to what? Because you think that that will bring you money. I said, no, I don't need the money. Leave me. I, I, I love peace of mind. The, the way you see me so. I love peace of mind. Ah! I love peace of mind. Anything that I want to take it away, I drive it in away. Please, how did I get into that? Young ministers, some go and standing branches where rich people are. Let me just stop there. I, know, I won't say more than that. God will personally enter that church and put you in prison. I know what I'm telling you. Go and stand a branch, you know. You know where you minister, where your spirit is flowing. You now go and plant a branch in Jerry. You know, you know what God does? He, he knows what he'll do to you now. He give you two very wicked neighbors. Seen old lawyers. <laughs> you make sure both of them are old lawyers. When they say, Praise the Lord, they will knock and say, The noise is crossing the fence. 
Before you say, they've written you two letters. God will say, you won't have peace here. <laughs> Those are my instruments. I will take peace away from you. You wake up one morning. Uh, what do you call it? Those people are no good people that they want the environmental protection people. They will be at your door. They will remove your speaker. You know, they did it to chosen the other. <laughs> that one on the express. Don't try those guys. Those guys are not joking. You put, you put speaker outside. If you disturb me, I'll go and call, I'll go and call them for you. They will come remove your speakers. Say, most of you, all of us come to your church. <laughs> no, God will plant those two old lawyers. They are there waiting for you. By the time you finish, next thing you see that this land was allocated for residential purposes. You are going to court. <laughs> two lo- that is, God will just give you two stubborn people. Then, of course, your friends, now, your, your church will not be praying. In the name of Jesus, everybody say, will not prosper. See, those men, their children were born, grandchildren were born. They will make more money, hire more lawyers on your matter. You'll be wondering, where is your faith not working? Because there's nobody you find coming here. <laughs> you <don't>, you, <laughs> Go and do your ministry where you're supposed to, you're supposed to do it. Stop looking for where to plant church so you can collect offering only. That is why you will not be able to preach a straight message. If anybody comes to church when he drives a very nice car, start, start changing then. The importance of seed soon, you think he has money. He doesn't have. His uncle traveled. <laughs> it's, his, it's his uncle's car. You would have thought, ah, see, maybe a number of guys coming with nice cars. You preach that they have, you must sow seed, sow seed. And then they oh, they'll come to me and say, Pastor, we're so blessed. God bless you, sir. I'm so, so, and so, and so. My uncle is so, so, and so, blessed. I came with this car this morning. You all look and say, all whole service, because you want to collect an offering. God will just so dis- You know, when the Lord wants to frustrate somebody. I've heard this gist before, very funny gist. One guy was in church. One lady beside him, her phone fell down. And he helped her to pick it. I don't, I don't think it's true, story, but it's a nice story. Helped her to pick it. In that, that, it was because he wanted to pick the phone. She got the message. So in trying to help her pick it, she saw the screen. And this, uh, uh, this text message that popped up on the screen, he saw the credit alert and bank balance. Ah! Looked at the young woman, unmarried. Looked at the, gave her, gave her the phone like he didn't see. He began to chase the girl. Make a long story short. Within a few months, he don't marry and finish. Then one day, the, a few days after the wedding, they were together, the phone rang again. Another credit. They can just pick the phone and say, oh, this is my auntie. I've told her to stop using my number as a Nigerian number. This is her bank. keeps on sending me bank balance. The guy said, eh? Eh? It was never her money. When her auntie came to open a bank account, she lives abroad. She needed a Nigerian number. Just put in a niece number. So any transaction the bank she does, the bank will send to that one's number. Now the guy will take married the girl. Only to find out that she's just as poor as he is. <laughs> Very foolish boy. Some ministers are like that too. They've gone to plant branches where God said, one cover will not drop. They are not angry with the neighborhood. The people here are very wicked. They are not wicked. The guy next is a very committed Catholic. The one after you is a committed Anglican. The other one goes to deeper life, and they give one million a month to their churches. You are not their pastor. A hungry young man looking for who will give you offering. 
Am I preaching to somebody today? In case you are streaming, close that church. Go somewhere else. <laughs> the Lord is good. Once you love money, you miss God. You can't help it. Though. It's not like you can help it. You cannot help it. Once the love of money is in your heart, you will miss God. Another way to define the love of money, when you start doing things just because of the amount of money it's going to get for you. That's another way you understand what, people, what I mean by love of money. But why do I go into all of that? It is where your heart is set that decides what you hear. Today I try to explain that please, every decision we make, let's take responsibility for that decision and not try to make it look like it was God. I would not have done it. I'm not saying it was not God. Please get my point. When you discover it was God, then you accept it as your responsibility. What am I saying? You make the will of God your own will. Once you say it is God, it is not me. You have not yet been converted. That will is not, your, is not yet yours. You still have your will separate from God's own. It doesn't work like that. When you find out it is God that said it, you make sure you now love that thing. If indeed, you, God said to you, marry a woman that maybe normally you wouldn't have wanted to. Once he says it, you understand that the will of God is what? Good. And it's what? Acceptable. And it's what? Perfect. You, if you have sense in your spiritual head, you should know that's what you should want to. Even if God were to withdraw his will, I, I, the instruction. You say, Lord, were you the one that said it before? Hey, no, I just thought about it. I don't think you just do the one you want. Want that one. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Want the Please catch it. If the Lord were to say, do this. And you, are sent to, you want to do it. And I said, if you don't really want to do it, just leave it to. Don't do it just because I said so. You know what you say to him? Lord, this is exactly what I want to do. And it's not a lie. What you have done is that you have converted your will to his will. And that's what he wants. He wants you to convert your will to his own. So that you love what he loves. And listen, the more you do that, the less communication you get. So don't feel unspiritual. This real spiritual person is the one that's laying down his or her will on a daily basis and taking up the recorded will of God. Not special communications. Not special communications. The recorded will, he's taking it up day by day. She's taking it up day by day. Day by day, you are laying... Even if you, listen, even if you don't have any specific decision to make, you just understand that this is what God says in this direction. Ah, you learn his will now. And you archive it in your soul. The day you need that information, it will rise up and speak to you. You will not hear any voice. I hope you're getting my point. You know, there's something that um, Derek Prince said I heard him the other day. He's talked about exemplary judgment in scripture. Now, I'm not talking about that in detail, but what I like about it is that there are things you see in the Bible, you just see his attitude. It may not give you an instruction. For example, who's that touched the ark, he died. Learn a lesson from it. Even if many other people touched, they did not die. Just learn a lesson from it. Ananias and Sapphira died. Did you hear anybody else die in, in the Bible? In the church? Did you hear any other person die? Does it mean God now okay, Ananias has died for everybody? No. The Red Prince said that was an exemplary judgment. Everybody's supposed to learn that lesson. But this, this is how I say it. That they will still die, but not as quickly. I hope you're getting my point. 
Yeah, they will still die, but not that rapidly. So, what am I going to say? You listen, you see something like that, you just learned that God gets angry when people lie like this. You are carved it in your soul. You are not trying to... Okay, one of our sisters, she may even be streaming now. One day she told me something. That she wanted to do something. And she went to pray about it. And she heard the Lord say a categorical no. I said, okay. She now said that, but later, then I said, well. I said, what did you say? I said, what the meaning of well? That even if you do it for a while, it will be for a short while. I said to her, do you remember Balaam? That's what I said. I said, you said to me when you first prayed, you felt the Spirit of God say categorical no. She said yes. I said, then later you now hear, oh, well, if I said, do you remember Balaam? She said, yeah, I forgot Balaam. I said, yes, this is a Balaamic arrangement. I said, God does not say one and then start changing his mind that well. How did I know that? Just reading the scriptures, Balaam. I said, if you I mean, that first one, stick with it. Let's leave it. Stick with that one. Don't come and be doing like a paradventure. So that's a Balaamic arrangement. Now, what am I going to say? Just reading scriptures, we are converting our thoughts, our thought processes to the will of God. We talk about turning your stones to bread. You have to be very careful. Satan's temptations have not changed. It's the same set of temptations he's still using. The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and very importantly, the pride of life. He's still using those things. On a daily basis, you are converting your, your own thoughts to the will of God. When we're talking about God's will, that our Bible study series, we talked about, about five different things that constitute the will of God. I said, number one, no, no I don't care about the order now. We said, the principle by which you live your life is the will of God. The purpose you are living for is the will of God. People think the will of God is just, I heard a voice. No. What is the method for doing things is also the will of God. I hope you are getting my point here. So all of this, we learn them and then we convert ourselves to the will of God. It's not just what God wants done. How? There's also a how that's the will of God. And we learn these things along the way. And once we have done that, many times we have to make decisions. In fact, it's a good thing to say now because I can round off what I've been saying. Many times we want to make decisions. Those things that we have stored in our hearts are the things that speak up to help us know what is right to do. It is not when you go and listen out for a voice. That's why I wrote the book, Guided by the Spirit. Many Christians think that it is spirituality to pray until you hear something. God does not say anything until it is clear that 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 particular decision you need to make does not fall within the, you know, the limits of the things you are supposed to know. Now, let me say that again. Supposed to know. God also holds you responsible for what you are supposed to know that you do not know. If after being a Christian for a long time, you are still waiting for God to speak to you to make certain small decisions, you will always make the wrong ones. Because God will say, ah, wait, wait, oh boy. These kind of things, you are big enough for people to come to hear counsel from your mouth concerning this matter. This is not the kind of thing that you be the one. You will not be asking me. No, there are times God takes to a level. He says, don't talk to me about that thing. Let me give you an example. Moses. Moses said, stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. People were shouting to Moses. Moses now turned to God. God said, why are you 
talking to me on this matter. What is that in your hand? Your rod. Divide the Red Sea now. You know what that tells you? They had had discussions before. The Lord had trained him. He had told him what to do. Then they got to a crisis point. He came back to God and said, hey, what do I do? God said, you are asking me what to do? Divide the Red Sea. He didn't say, stretch forth your rod and I will divide the Red Sea. He said, you, divide the Red Sea. And Moses said, okay, sorry for troubling you. He carried the rod, lifted it up and divided the sea. It gets to a point in your life because you know, there are discussions we should not have. And if we are having a discussion, you will hear a wrong thing. Somebody brings, come, comes to you now and says, uh-huh, this thing we are supposed to do. Now it brings money to bribe you to change figures. It brings money to bribe you to pass a student. You know, there are things that they, if you pray about, you will hear, go ahead, do it. But it's Balamic, go ahead, you are hearing. When you finish doing it, judgment will come upon you. You now say, Lord, I'm facing a panel. They're about to sack me from the university. God said, good. You were the one that said I should do it. He said, ah, didn't you hear Banky say the other day? That even when I tell you to do it, I judge you on whether it is right or it is wrong. Why does he do that? It's because there's an idol in your heart. And you can go and study Ezekiel chapter 14. You read it. God said, no, no, no. If you don't remove the stumbling block of iniquity from before your face, remove the idols from your heart, you can't come to me and say what is the right thing to do. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Believers, let's get this point. Now, when is all of this? Trying to emphasize one issue. That we're looking at the heart of David. The heart of David was set in a particular direction. And I went to all of this and to emphasize that it is what the direction your heart is set that determines what you hear. That determines the opportunities that will come to you. That determines what you start perceiving in your environment. I hope you're getting my point. Now, what I wanted to preach today before, which we have to now lift it next time, all right, is the fact that when your eyes are set in the right direction, when your heart is set in the right direction, which we have seen is Zion. What is Zion for us? Perfection in Christ Jesus. What is the main thing our heart should be set towards? It's not about material prosperity or what people call success on this earth. The mistake people make, we said it last time, is that they treat God as a success giver. So they pursue him only because of what he gives. Do you get my point? We treat him as a success giver and pursue him only because of what he gives. That is the problem we often have as Christians. But if we see him that, no, it's not like that. What am I pursuing in life? I want to be pleasing to God. And once I'm pleasing to him, I'm satisfied. What am I pursuing in, in life? I want to become a Jesus Christ walking on the earth in the matter of divine character, divine nature. Not for the glory of it, but for the nature of it. What am I pursuing on the earth? I want it to be that anywhere I stand, Jesus is standing there. Any word I speak is pleasing to the Father. That my words are seasoned with salt. That, listen to me, listen, this is a matter of fact. That is all that God wants from each one of us. Every other thing is added unto it. But it is more important to God that Banki is perfected than Banki priest to the whole earth. Did you hear what I said? That what is more important to the Lord is that every negative thought, every wrong attitude, 
every wrong spirit that is locking inside this my son, this individual that they call Banky. It is more important to the Lord that it is removed than that the man is standing there and is preaching my word to the whole earth and everybody is getting born again and they are getting transformed and they are getting changed. But he is still defiled. He doesn't want that. And there's a common sense reason for it. If he can transform you into what you are supposed to be, he can do anything through you without any effort. The struggles you go through to pass a message across to 10,000 people. He will pass the same message across through that vessel to 10 million with less effort if that vessel would just be pure. I hope you're getting my point here. So, what should I face, therefore? You know, Paul, you know, till now, of all the apostles, there's none that we regard like Paul. Let's be honest. If you're a Bible student, after you finish quoting Jesus Christ, the next person you quote is Paul. In fact, many times you are quoting Jesus is true, is true Paul. It's what he told Paul. <laughs> you are quoting. It's true. We regard him very highly. Yet, after a while, the man wrote, after I had been missing for a long time, so what am I pursuing that I may know him? Did you hear my point? Did you hear that? The same Paul that we regard so highly, he said, what are you, what are you looking for? He said, I want to know him. To be made conformable unto his death. I want to experience the power of his resurrection. He didn't say, I want to preach to the whole world. I forget the things that are behind. I pursue the things that lie ahead. Why? So I can finish my course? No. That I may know him. That was the primary thing. This part that we respect and admire so much. That was the primary thing in his life. Listen. Once your eye is focused on that, I said it last time, it's difficult to get distracted. It's difficult to get tempted successfully. It does not mean temptations will not come. You know, there are some, some things I, I, I just said, this is not a temptation. I don't know what I get my point. Now, it is not as if it's not a temptation, not a temptation itself. It's just that there, there's a way. Okay, let me give an example now. You're hurrying somewhere. You're driving. The road is not bad. You have four. Your car is good. You're hurrying somewhere. You're so, you're, okay, the best one to use as an example is a flight. You want to catch a flight. Your flight is supposed to take off by, by 12 o'clock. You are like 30 minutes away from the airport. Then some people are now doing breakdance by the roadside. Very interesting. People are stopping to watch them. Do you get my point? And you have, you have, you are still some distance away. If you rush, you get to the airport maybe 35 minutes before the flight. And they are going to close the door, you know, after a while. Are you getting my point? Now let me ask you, because no matter how much you like breakdance, are you likely to stop? Just let me watch this dance more. Many of the things we call temptations is a sign of lack of focus. Are you getting my point? Yes, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. There's a way you'll be looking in one direction that, yeah, you know the truth, that God will still bless you for resisting the temptation. But to you, I resisted. Hey, Lord, thank you very much for blessing me for resisting. But was that even supposed to be tempting? That is why we need to set the Lord all ever before us. That way, we will never be moved. Again, the message I brought today is not that. That's the right kind of review. The message I had planned to preach before is that when you do that, let's read it again. Psalm 84. Don't worry, we are closing now. Oh, the Lord is good. I want to just look at that again. Psalm what? 84. Look at what it says. 
How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart, oh sorry, I'm verse 5, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, that is, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Zion. Passing through, he says, let me read from the New Living Translation, verse 6. When they walk through the valley of weeping, the valley of Baca, the valley of difficulty, it will become a place of refreshing springs. Let me just stop there. He said, when they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. Now, you know why? That's what I wanted to, I wanted to talk about. When they have that right heart, Jesus said, all other things are added to them. I said it last time, what the world did was to take the Lord away from front of us and put the other things in front. Then we are going to the other things. Then the Lord is a method of getting to the other things. But the Lord is not the end. But my message today is that when the heart is right, God will cause all other things to be added. Let me say this, well, almost like a prophetic message for Nigeria. You know what, Nigeria? Listen. I've ended my message. Let me, let's, let's prophesy. Prophesy, Papa. Can I prophesy? Go deeper. I beg you, before you bring me familiar spirit, let me sit, <laughs> let me sit on my message. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it today. Sometimes we sit down and analyze what is wrong with the nation. We sit down and analyze, analyze what we could do better. In fact, what began it today for me was that a friend of mine, he said something. That somebody said that Nigerian profe- African professionals are not out there trying to solve the problems of Africa. They are out there hustling to, to better themselves so much that African problems will not apply to them. So it's supposed to be like a rebuke. So I, I answered, I said, why are we dignifying African problems as if it is special? That needs new discovery to solve. That the problems we have are common problems, simple problems, that already have simple solutions that we are refusing to apply. So don't, don't worry the professional to go and look for a solution. We know the solution. Like the dollar, 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 now, the solution to dollar, stop looking for it. So what do you mean? Send your children to school in Nigeria. There is no school for all of us. When you are looking for school, money to pay school fees abroad, it's part of the problem. I don't need to tell you to eat local rice. You can't even afford the foreign one now. We thank God. <laughs> See, there are small, small things we can do. Now, please, let me not sit on that. I don't want to sit on discussing economics and politics. What I want to talk about is what came to my mind. So I reasoned. You know, there are times people prefer solutions. As if only we could do this. This will solve all our problems and all of that. Then I started thinking, I said, wait, this is how the, the Philistines will also say when David is attacking them and winning. That if we are done like this, we are more than them in number now. We should have won this battle. I said, this is exactly how the people in the promised land too will have spoken. When the Israelites were attacking them and winning, they will say, the promise our people will not agree to come together. If only we had agreed to come together. This small, who are these small Israelites to come and defeat us? I said, this is exactly what happens when God has withdrawn peace and prosperity from people. They start blaming each other. No one says, where is God, my maker? 
So I told myself, Banky, all this talk is not necessary. I say this boldly. Our problem in this nation is spiritual. What am I saying? How do you turn the valley of Baca to a valley full of springs? It is not by shouting. It's by having the people whose hearts are set on Zion walk through it. That's it. You know the assignment we are, in fact, the difficulty we have in the nation, part of it, part of the reasons why God allows it is to set the heart of his people back on Zion. On that pilgrimage to Zion. Many times God will frustrate us until we stop looking for any other thing. Maybe they tell you there are 17 steps to breakthrough. You are number 8. You have 9 more to go. But continue. When you have finished the 17th, you say, Lord, I don't want breakthrough again. God will now say, okay, set your heart on Zion. You now start walking towards Zion. And you now see that, why am I even trying to break through? There's nothing that's locked before. The valley of springs will suddenly open to you. As long as you still think the road to Zion is a pathway to prosperity, the valley does not open. The springs in the valley, they don't open. Let me say it again. The major problem we have as believers, which we pastors, that they have cost, is to make Christians think divine principles are for results. The worship of God is for human results. So that we have to prove on this earth that our God can make people prosper. When he doesn't do it quickly, we mix divine principles with earthly principles. And then we start giving testimonies of it works. I said it last time, let me say it again. It works does not mean anything. It's what your heart is set on that matters. Because if the people had gathered and God didn't see anything, they would have built the Tower of Babel successfully. True of us? And they would have come to church to tell us it works. How to build a tower despite the odds when there's no concrete. When you can use, um, uh, what do you call it, tar as mortar. Where you can burn your bricks ha, so that if the judgment of God comes, ha, it will not be able to touch you. We built it. People thought we couldn't. We did. The power of agreement. If all of us can be of one voice, we build any tower and there's nothing God can do about it. Have you heard that revelation before? Actually, I want to tell you the truth. That the real tower that was built was not so that they would not go anywhere. It was against the judgment of God. That's how they needed to use tar to waterproof it. It was rebellion against God. It was rebellion. Did God not say to Adam, from the set of sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. What does that tell you? Even in a cursed land, a man that sweats enough will get something. I hope you're getting my point. So let's be careful. Let's be wary of testimonies. What is our heart set on? I say today as the word of God. He said, my people, forget all these principles. Forget all these desires. Forget all these struggles. Set your heart on Zion. We'll talk about it further next time. If God allows us. And literally, 
all other things will be added to you. What is it that turns the valley of Baca to a valley full of springs? It is the presence of people whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage to Zion. Whose primary purpose for existence is God, we must know you. There are so many things about a place like the United States of America. But let me tell you one of the reasons why God blessed the land. It was because a large number of people that came there, came there for freedom of worship. Did you hear what I said? I'm not saying everybody. But a huge number came for the freedom to worship. That was why when they wrote their constitution at the beginning, they separated church and state. Now, it has not been bastardized to mean that we can't pray in schools. Some people have challenged some of those things anyway. In many places in America now, you can pray in school. But yet that the school cannot force everybody to pray. Before, the schools, you know, like we do in Nigeria, everybody gathers, whether you believe in God or not, it's your family problem. In this school, you will pray to the God you don't believe in. It was like that in America too. And some people challenged it. And the Supreme Court rightfully actually said, we have a law. The separation of church and state. What that means is that the church, the, the, the power of the government cannot be forced to impose any religion on anybody. That's actually the real thing. But the question is, what I'm going to explain is, why did they put that there in the first place? They were looking back at England. In England, you go to the church that the king determines. If the king is a Catholic, you are all Catholics. If the king is an Anglican, you are all Anglicans. You follow the religion of the royal family. And if you went any other way, you become a rebel against the state. So many people left most of Europe and went to the new land for the freedom to worship. I don't know whether I get the point. They wanted to stay in a place where the king would not tell me how to worship God. Where I don't have to believe in something just because a man who does not know the Bible, all right, believes it. Uh, why must I believe? Because the king says this. So, the king does not determine doctrine. It does not de- determine the word of God. They left Europe where people were being burnt at the stake for translating the Bible to English. That one, the, the one we wrote, can I remember the name? Now, those, those, what's the name of that first Bible? Tyndale Bible. Tyndale was killed because he told the priest, he said, as God lives, I will make sure that the common man on the streets knows more Bible than you. And what was his own? All he wanted to do was just to translate it into the English language. He released the Tyndale Bible and got killed for it. That was what people were running away from. So when they found the opportunity, many of the believers left. Why? We need to worship God. We need to read the scriptures. We don't want a king over our heads telling us when to worship, how to worship. That was why when they wrote the, the constitution, they said there has to be a separation of church and state. That's what they meant. They did not say we'll be a godless society. They were just tired of tyranny. Even the right to bear arms. If you read that thing, a few words are just missing. They said the citizens can organize their militia. Carry their gun. They didn't, look, my little knowledge of English. You know, the Supreme Court read it one way. What they, wrote, what they wrote was simple. 
the right of the people to bear arms will not be denied them. What they meant, if you read it in the context that they, they had the right to form a militia, like you know in Nigeria now, when the ESN started, American law said ESN can start, arm themselves, and the government can't do anything about it. And you know the reason why? They said the reason government can oppress people is that they're the only ones that have guns. The guns were, Americans put guns in the hand of their citizens because of the government. So that the day the government says, everybody come this way, they bring out their guns, say, who you be? We are the ones that made it the government. You can't tell us. No, really. That's how they were formed. But where I'm going is this. The real independence the people were looking for was the independence to worship. I'm convinced that was why God put a blessing upon that land. You know what he's doing in Nigeria today? He wants to turn the land also to a valley of springs. So I pray all you want until I see people whose, whose hearts, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. It's not doable. So, preachers, Banky, you and your friends, your colleagues, preach to the people. Take your eyes away from springs. Take your eyes away from vineyards. Take your eyes away from olive trees. Take your eyes away from fields of barley and fields of wheat. Fix your eyes on Zion. If your eyes are fixed on Zion, as you walk through the valleys, the, dry, the valley of dry bones, the valley of dry, dryness, of dry things, you will discover that olive trees will begin to spring up. You will discover that wheat will begin to spring up. You will discover that, you know, grapes will begin to spring up. You will discover that good things will begin to spring up as you are moving effortlessly on your way to where? Zion. Believers in Christ Jesus, forget your problems. Say how much of Christ is being formed in me every day. That should be the quest of your souls. And at the very place you place your feet on, I say to you by the Spirit of God, good will begin to germinate for you there. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks for this word that we have heard today. Okay, let's thank him for it again. Tell the Lord, I own the decisions. I own the decisions. I'm taught by you. I'm taught of the Lord. I'm taught of the Lord. I am taught of the Lord. I am taught of the Lord. That's the most important thing. Being taught of the Lord. Not hearing voice. Being taught of the Lord. Being taught of the Lord. Say, I am taught of the Lord. I am taught of the Lord. Say, Lord, teach me. Yeah, let's pray for a minute. Say, Lord, teach me. Fill me with the knowledge of your will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let me walk in a manner worthy of you. To please you in all respects. To bear fruit in every good work. Lord, let me increase in the knowledge of God. Pray that prayer. Lord, let me be filled. Fill me, Lord, with the knowledge of your will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that I will walk in a manner worthy of you. To please you in all respects. Lord, I want to bear fruit in every good work. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection, Jesus Christ. Say to the Lord, that's my desire. It's not about being rich. Lord, listen, if in this my life, the only thing you do for me, Lord, is that I will become like Christ. I will see into heaven. And one day I will lay my hands on the dead and they will rise up again to life. I don't want any other thing. I will have been fulfilled. I will have demonstrated for this earth to see the resurrection power of Christ Jesus. If God offers some of us that, we'd rather take a million dollars. No, God, but say to God today, no, no, I don't want a million dollars. I want to see heaven. I don't want a million dollars. I want to see angels. 
I want to see Christ Jesus. I want his power demonstrated. I want to see him the way he is so that I can be exactly like him because of the vision of glory. Say, Lord, I want to be transformed. I want a transfiguration experience. Ah, see, pray that, Lord, spiritual things are the things that matter to me now. I would rather go naked but be closer with your glory than to have the whole apparel of Solomon. Say to the Lord, that's my desire. Fill me, oh God. I want to say, pray that prayer and I say, Lord, I want to see heaven. I'm not talking about dying now. I want to see these things of the spirit as real. I want my eyes open. I want my eye open like Adam was in the garden and he saw the angels of God round about. Ah, this this earth so filling somebody's eyes in all the senses. Eyes, ears, taste, touch, everything. Say, Lord, let my sense of the spirit become awakened. Let the presence of angels not surprise me. Let me hear the walking of the feet of Jesus as he's coming to my sitting room. Ah! Thank you for fine houses. Thank you for fine cars. Thank you for nice things on this earth. But that's not my desire now. That's not my desire now. That's not my desire now. In my heart, are the highways to Zion. The cry of my heart, like Paul, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Oh, I want to swim with Jesus. I want to bathe bathe in the pool of his spirit. This mundane living is, be tired of it. Say, Lord, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Somebody is sick. First thing is that, ah, I've seen the doctor. Which message have you taken? Ah, sometimes me say, I go tired. Say, Lord, ah, can't we just rest? So there's fever. Jesus touched somebody that has fever. And he forgot it there. And the woman got up and followed them. It's called the power of his resurrection. Say, Lord, that's what I want now. I set my heart on the highways to Zion. I set my heart on the highways to Zion.